0: Welcome to the Youth Development Professionals
1: Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started.
0: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We are very excited. I am super excited to have a very dear, dear friend, Fran Thompson. Fran, how you doing?
2: Great, Great to see you.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, little disclosure here. Fran, I think, was my second YMCA boss 250 years ago, I think it was. Um, Yeah. Yep. So I think, uh, you know, it's his fault for a lot of stuff. And, uh, so we'll blame him for all the good stuff. And as usual, we'll blame my wife for all the bad stuff. So, uh, Fran, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everybody a little bit about yourself.
2: Okay. Well, um, hi everybody. I'm Fran Thompson. Um, I have the great privilege of being, uh, The principal at Jonathan Law High School in Milford, Connecticut. It's a public uh, high school in a suburban town, grades 9 through 12. We've got about 850 students uh, enrolled. And uh, this is my 10th year at Jonathan Law. My 13th year as as a principal.
0: So I'm gonna be full disclosure here with Fran and I don't know if Fran had time to listen to all the podcasts we've been. So when I talk about, there's a couple of camp directors in my career who've made a huge impact on my life. Fran Thompson is is top one, number one, Fran. And I'm gonna embarrass you a little bit here from the energy and passion and commitment that you showed a teenager, young 20 year old all the way through seeing what you're doing with your students when we started this podcast, we were really, who, who do I know in a school system? Your name popped right out. And then I kind of Facebook stalked you a little bit. And I saw you going around to your, your valedictorians and at the end of the school year and, and just celebrating with them. And I think it's really important. So Fran, talk to us a little bit about your transition, if you can remember, from being a, a camp director to a school administrator. And what was that transition like? How did it flow for you?
2: I often tell the story. No, none of the stories, Mike, that you and I can't disclose over there.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
2: I often tell folks um, you can you can always tell when a teacher was a camp counselor, and um, I always just because there's just certain intangibles, um, certain skill sets, and uh, it's 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 like being a, being a principal is like being a camp director with a, with a shirt and tie Um, in in the sense that it's about relationships. It's about leading by example, leading from the front um, and surrounding yourself with the very best. So um, I appreciate your kind words, Mike, but I wouldn't have had um, a successful, Experience as even a camp director or an, a, a Y administrator before teaching. If it wasn't for the incredible people I was surrounded by, and including yourself, especially yourself. So, um, you know, when you when you go through the rolodex um, of people who have made that impact, and or, or you know who you're looking for in the hiring process, the older I get, the more I realize how important that is those relationships, those intangibles, those qualities, just beyond the, you know, in, in, in education, we get into pedagogy and we get into planning, but at the end of the day, there's an intangible quality about can you connect with kids? Can you work as part of a team, right? And can you, can you create an atmosphere or buy into an atmosphere so you're really like a family? Um, and that is, um, that's what I've been blessed with at Jonathan Law. Um, and that's what I learned over the years from camp and um, and the Y and, and all of the good people I've met along the way.
1: How much uh, influence do you have in that interviewing process with teachers? You talked about, uh, you know, you can always tell a teacher uh, that was a camp counselor. Um, are, are you deeply involved in that screening process?
2: Uh, yeah, Al. So I work in a fairly, um, I guess it'd be a mid-sized district. When you, when you go, you know, super large to super small. So I've got, um, we've got 14 schools. Um, we've got um, 30 administrators, both district and building level. Um, and so part of the work is collaborating with, if I'm hiring a math teacher, for example, the, the district supervisor for, you know, secondary math. Um, so that's a partner, uh, my assistant principals. Um, Mike, like your assistant camp directors, right? You gotta have the right people there. And so um, we, just, we talk about who are we, what are we looking for and then we paper screen and then we, we all look it over and we bring people to the table. Um, we, we all co-create the interview questions based on the qualities we're looking for. Um, and what I'm looking for in a math teacher this year may be different than what I was looking for two years ago because of the nature of the department. Um, you know, maybe somebody who's more, I'm going to stick with math, which is scary because I'm math phobic, but <laughs> I may be looking for somebody who's more geometry heavy than algebra heavy. And so just those, those, those different can, um, specifics, um, I, I very much lead because I realize that the most important thing I can do is hire the right people and put them in the right places for our kids.
1: So it, it, as you co-create those questions and stuff, uh, you know, as you look for uh, the, the the individual, not only who's a math teacher, a good math teacher, but co- who can connect with kids, be part of that team, create that family culture that you talked about, is, is there a question that you ask candidates that help you create or get that information other than were you a camp counselor?
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting... Al, because I, I I do it a little bit differently than than many. I, I think from the from the you know my colleagues that I've spoken to, the very first thing when I paper screen applicants, and again every position's different. So there is a, if I'm looking for a social studies teacher, I'm going to get a uh, a lot of applications because that that's a that's a flooded market, and and a lot of those um, applications have a lot of similarities. You know what I mean? If I'm looking for a physics teacher, that's a much more narrow pool. But the first thing I look for at every uh, applicant is their cover letter. If I get it to whom it may concern, or if I don't get addressed to myself or the superintendent or the human resources director by name, I don't get Jonathan Law mentioned specifically. They're already, have, that's a—that's a, um, kind of a demerit in my book because they haven't, I don't want the copy and paste to whom it may concern. That's not what a camp counselor does, right? That's not what a, that's not what an invested team member would do. Um, And it's harder now because when you're applying online, everything's online now. It's much easier to just copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. If that's all you got for me, I don't want you.
0: Yeah. Especially with that Indeed, it's easy to click that Indeed apply now with your Indeed resume. Right it, and so,
2: it populates it right. Yeah, uh, and I again I get it, but I'm then go to another school or or there's always I know I can be a great asset to you know Greenwich High School. Well, I'm not Greenwich, so you know go good luck. Yeah, um, but you're not getting a call from me. Yeah. Um, and then out to your your point, if you do when you do get to the interview, I have two questions. My first question is always what makes you the best candidate for this position and somewhere in there that next time it comes around to me, my question is, what do you know about Jonathan mall High School?
0: So that research, that, that extra work, that extra effort is important to you as, mm-hmm. as someone who's going to hire a 22 a year old just out of college or someone who's been subbing for a couple of years working on their masters.
2: Could be something as simple as I noticed on your website that. It was yeah. at least took some time to go onto the website um, well, I hear it's a great school. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah. Talking to my mom. What do you, what do you, you know? What is happening? So again, it's just it's just you, show that you're invested because I'm going to invest. You're asking me to invest in you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that goes not just for like you said uh, a a principal hiring a, a a physics teacher or a math teacher in any way. It goes for you know. I want to apply as an assistant camp director. I want to work in an after-school program. You know, mm-hmm. what have you heard about Doodle Bugs? Right. Uh, oh, it's just a childcare. Uh, not just a. This is not where we are. We're an early learning childcare center, or we're, a, you know, a mid-size or small mid-size high school. Right. That's that's some work. That's again in the world of Google, not in the world of ninety-two. That's a that's so much easier. Right now, you can Google and jump on the website, and most organizations have a great detailed website but that shows that effort so i have a staff person who's looking for a full-time he's been ta in looking for a full-time job gets the interview doesn't get the second call back what's that what's that line that usually dings that after the interview how how do you how would you help a 23 year old 24 year old get over that hump he's ta in or perma-sub, right, but he's not, he hasn't, he hasn't been able to get that trigger pulled to become the full-time teacher.
2: So I think my, 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 my guidance to that person is just be patient
0: mm-hmm.
2: because you just don't know. It mm-hmm. may not be him. It may be they have their own sub, long-term sub. They have their own TA, right? So they they have a known entity, a known quantity. Um, it may be somebody Again, like I said, who I'm, I may have hired that that hi, that's person, your friend two years ago for that job, but I may be looking for something different now. Um, so my, my suggestion is practice the interview, have questions, like you said, Mike. you can Google a list of questions for a science teacher, even if that's what, and then have a critical friend be the interviewer. So in other words, i don't if i 'm practicing to be a, a, a go on a job interview I haven 't for a long time, but if I was gonna i 'm not going to ask my mom to do it because whatever i say i 'm getting a job right so yeah. i want I want that friend who could tell me that that shirt doesn 't match and i wouldn't be offended. I changed the shirt it 's got to be that kind of a critical friend yeah. um, and you could also email um people on the interview committee and say, hey, if you get a chance, um, could you give me some feedback? Um, the older I get, the more often I, I reach back out. Uh, a lot of times people are just, you know, two days before school opens and I have to hire somebody, I'm probably not getting back to the, that email um, for months. But if it's in the summer or if it's in the fall or if it's in the spring, you know what I mean, in the winter, or whatever, um, I find myself the older I get, giving that, making that call, or or encouraging that applicant to reach out.
1: I, I know we've gone down this uh, road of of interview questions and 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 all that. I, you know, my my bigger curiosity at this point in time, friend, is, uh, uh, you know, a lot of schools are starting up again uh, here at the end of uh, the summer, and you're prepping your folks and your campus and all your students. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about what's different uh, that you're doing now than you were doing a year ago for that school year?
2: You know, Al, the biggest difference, I thought about that. I, I, I anticipated that question. And the biggest difference is how much I don't know. And that scares the living daylights out of me. I, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm excited. I get more excited, not from now until Labor Day is when I get up at 2am right because I got so much going on in my head. And I love that. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But there's so much I don't know. And so I really um, People want to know about everything from a social distancing to what if I don't wear What if my kid doesn't wear a mask or takes off the mask and just hits that wall to how are we going to have lunch to what's the what's the the traffic flow going to look like. And and we're getting there, but that guidance comes not from the collective leadership in my building or even from the district colleagues, but that's the health department from the State Department from the governor's office from the state commissioner and 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 that Flow does not travel as fast as we're used to. So that's, that's a, that's my biggest, uh, my biggest uh, difference is that there's things I just don't know yet. We'll get there, but I just.
0: Fran, you sound exactly like where I was. And Al and I talked many times, I think even on the podcast, June 2nd, they said camps can run in three weeks, figure it out. And I was like, okay. So I was there. So great. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Fran and Al. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. Welcome back. We are with a good friend of mine, Fran Thompson, and he is getting ready for school. Uh, Fran, talk to us a little bit about how school's going to run this year. You know, not so much the precautions, but are you half virtual full virtual all at school what's going on
2: so the guidance from the state was um interesting originally it was we want everybody back in class in school uh connecticut is um the metrics are really low right now so um that was kind of the plan and then um partway through the summer it was um Decided by the state and, and, and uh, that the, the districts themselves are going to decide what was what was best. And while we're not obviously, you know, there were 20 New Yorks, but um, we uh, we're still 169 towns, and so um, it was it was um, very uh, nerve wracking because again we have teachers who have kids and other, you know, not every teacher lives in town. And so, um, families are trying to navigate all of that. So it, it's been, uh, it's been a challenge. So, um, many schools are going to, um, are going just virtual. They just decided, look, every, we got to do it. We we're just not comfortable enough. Um, so some, some, some schools are going virtual. Um, some, some schools, some, some of the bigger cities are coming back full time um, because of their considerations about getting kids um, to participate virtually and also um, quite honestly, to be able to have breakfast or lunch, you know, so uh, the school is so much more than just, um, just a learning environment. And so, um, and then many districts are um, doing a hybrid, so the hybrids then go into a lot of doing like kids coming in two days, uh, half the school for two days and then middle of the week and nobody comes in, it's, a, it's online. And then the other half of the school comes in for two days. Um, our model that we developed uh, in my district is a little bit different in that we've got all the kids coming in Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Wednesdays are a virtual day to, from home um and uh we have a uh, at the high school level we have a block schedule so there's eight periods on mondays and thursdays periods the odd numbers one three five and seven will meet and on tuesdays and fridays two four six and eight will meet for 62 minutes and then on wednesdays it's a straight eight so all eight periods are going to meet for a shorter amount of time What we also decided to do was to do a, instead of a six and a half hour day, which is a typical school day, we're doing a five hour day. Um, And the reason we're doing that is to increase the, um, limit the time that everybody's together and also to uh, be able to clean more in the afternoons. So that's been a challenge. Um, But we also know that Wednesdays are imperative because in the event that we have to then flip the switch, if the metrics rise, right, if we have to flip the switch to an online learning, our kids are already um, engaged in that. So um, we have different committees working um, this is called a tier one hybrid model. Um, and then tier three is fully online. And then there's a tier two for that um, 50% um, experience as well. Um, but I, I feel like if we're going to, if we're going to change, it's going to be to an all online if that, if that happens. We're hoping it doesn't.
1: As you think about the families, you said, you said there's about 800 and 850 students at your school. And, as you think about the families who are, are impacted by, you know, this once in a ever cultural shift about life, <laughs> uh, you know, are, are, are there aspects of you know, uh, your families that come forward that you didn't know before that, that, you know, become apparent in the gaps that are created. Uh, You know, I I think about, you know, having access to the the digital virtual world having, uh, you know, you don't know what's going on in somebody's house uh, when they're coming to school every day, or they're missing school, or their you know, whatever it is, uh, but uh, what, how do you, how do you put thought into those gaps that occur for families?
2: Well, that's all I think about. And so, oh.
1: <laughs>
2: March from March to June was a interesting experience for for all educators, right? We literally across the nation flipped a switch from classrooms that have been the model for since the 1890s, since the one-room schoolhouse to a virtual experience, literally overnight. That's not dramatic, ours was. And, and many, maybe we had a week or two to ramp up, right? Because we, we, we just didn't see it coming. Um, what we know now though, is that this virtual experience has to be more robust. We made it, we did it. We got kids on and stuff, but we, we also learned a lot. Um, we learned that um, teachers have a tendency to overload when they're at work, when they're online. Um, that type of overcompensation isn't born out of malice. It's just, I see you, I see screen time, and I'm going to give you more work, more work. Um, we know that kids actually, what would normally, or what you would expect to be an assignment due in 24 hours, takes about 72 hours, because of what you're alluding to, Al. Some kids, some high school kids have to be the homeschooler for their brothers and sisters. Some have to work at the family business because they had to lay off their staff. Some have to tend to grandparents. Some are the, you know, have to go to work, right? So those things um, are real and we have to account for that. Um, so it's a different way of taking attendance. It's a different way of giving Um, credit, you know, high schools are credit based. What does credit look like? Is it assignment completion versus being physically in a seat? That whole paradigm has shifted. Um, and so, um, if I, if I have a kid who goes off the grid and what I mean by off the grid, I mean, no teachers heard from them, no counselor, no trust, no coach, no trusted adults heard from them. My job is to go to that is to find out what happened. If a kid decides that has disengaged from say history class, but they're still doing their math and science work, that's a different reach out than somebody who's just totally gone off the grid. So, you know, but again, like we as adults kind of pick and choose sometimes um, what workload we want to accomplish, what tasks we want to accomplish, kids are giving us that feedback as well. And so we have to be humble enough to say, all right, we got to figure out how to make the content engaging enough and rigorous enough in what what's going on. I found some kids, many kids who are less engaging in person, who did a better, who are more comfortable online and then vice versa too. I found a lot of kids who are taking AP classes and higher achieving, you know, always in the top didn't like the anonymity of, of the
1: online world. So it's, it's very interesting. It, it, it's a complete shift. You talked about being humble, uh, you know, the humility that it has caused throughout our entire culture is that, you know, this little virus has, has, has created for us. Um, uh, Fran, is there something that you've learned about yourself that was unexpected over the last you know, from March till June, and then over the summer as you've been planning the the, uh, uh, the new year.
2: Um, that's a great question. Now, I, I I think um, I think I learned that I have a lot more faith than I did before, and I and I mean like faith in other people, faith in the goodness. My so my my senior class, the class of twenty twenty that graduated. Literally, literally kept our school going. Whether it was making TikTok videos, whether it was sending out tweets, whether they decided how to through a survey how they wanted their graduation, they helped plan it. There, I guess the thing that I learned um, was have faith in give kids credit, give families credit. Sometimes when we become, when we leave the classroom. And we tend to lose that. Sometimes we tend to hit lose the faith of why we did it in the first place. Our kids, our families, everybody wants what's best. You may have different ways of getting there, but those ideas, the richness of those ideas will, as long as you're transparent and honest, and here's what we're doing, here's what we can't do. Here's what I don't know. That's all people are asking for. And, and that's a very different model than, you know, the principal or the boss or, or whatever has all this information and only wants to dribble out what needs to be said. Don't, I mean, for what? Right. And so, um, I've learned, I, I, I've kind of always felt that way, but I definitely has been reaffirmed and um, strengthened that that's, that's the power of, of collaboration and multiple opinions and, you know, diverse voices um, are, is helpful. This, this whole COVID situation, this whole pandemic has stressed every system. I mean, we see it socially, we see it economically, we see it politically, we see it in education and government. It's it stressed every system. And rather than react and be defensive about it, let's take a look at it. And, and once we get through it, let's take a look at it and say, all right, this, how do we do on the stress test? What are we reading? What are we, what can we learn from it? Um, and and, I, and I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that that will come out the other side um, with more information about how to reach kids, how to teach kids, how to support kids, how to support families, um, and how to support each other.
1: See, you said earlier that uh, you can always tell when a teacher was a camp counselor. I can tell that you were a camp director uh, right. simply by what you're talking about. You're you're describing servant leadership, and it, which is, you know, uh, what we all strive for. So thank you for that. Thank you. So Fran, talk
0: to me a little bit about which concerns me because I'm assuming, and if I'm wrong, correct me. You know, there's there's no theater this year, at least this fall, right? There's no which I know theater is your thing, <laughs> you know, and there's no sports, which, you know, I know you're a nut when it comes to your teams. And, and so that, that component on top of one day being at home all day online and, and stressors and things, think about three, four years, these freshmen that are coming in and now are going to be freshmen in college. How do you see them differ than the current freshmen last fall. Yeah, um,
2: Mike, I, I expressed that concern to my counseling staff, to my uh, administrative team, because I worry about specifically these freshmen and in- 10th graders too, really, because a year from now, knock on wood, right, please, we have a vaccine, we start to get back to normal, Everybody's gonna remember the class of 2020, the class of 2021. I'm talking about college admissions. I'm talking about test scores. I'm talking about people have a short memory. And we have to make sure that we recognize that there will be chunks, pieces of a high school experience that is is just lost as is dramatic, is, is not achieved because it didn't happen for various reasons that out of necessity. So um, what do we do with that? Mike, it's everything from how do we ensure that the learning gap isn't so deep. Um, You know, I don't believe we reteach. I believe we move forward with more rigor and more hands-on and more opportunities for kids to demonstrate their, their learning and to learn with each other. If you can't if this hasn't taught you how to collaborate, just as a survival, to depend on each other, to use technology in good ways, um, then you miss something. Um, in terms of experiences for clubs and sports and things like that, I'm not giving up yet. Um, but we had, a, you know, we didn't have the prom last year. I'm trying to have it this year. So I'm trying to have a, have a junior prom and a senior, they do like a semi-formal. So I'm trying to do the junior prom in October or November, and then the senior cotillion in the spring. I don't know if I'll be able to pull that off, I'm gonna try. I just talked to my theater person today. She's researching uh, 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 for a fall play, a series of one act plays that have like two or three people in each play. So that if she's able to work with them, For an after school then she only is bringing in three people and the blocking will have to be different than the script probably but it is what it is and and i've committed to live streaming whatever that performance is um you know uh the the state of connecticut is is uh with regards to fall sports had made a position we're running fall sports limited blah 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 and then the state health department came up with something and it's all politics and stuff. So now that's on hold. If I can't have sports, can I still have my debate club? Can I still have my Model UN? Can I sit? And it's still so, how, you know what I mean? So those are the, those are, those are also that I hit those about the 3 a.m. hour. Those, yeah. my yep. but my yep. goal is to give every student an opportunity And and, and what I tell my team, my staff, they know this. Um, Al, to your point about your camp staff, we know what we can't do. We know the obstacles, we know the barriers. Don't tell me what we can't do. I wanna know how we make it happen. And if you have that mindset, you at least, um, you won't get it all. You won't be able to do it all, but at least you'll be able to be creative enough to, and and the kids know that. The kids know that you're trying and, and the families know you're trying.
0: You know, you know, Fran, when you were talking, I instantly, so I don't know if you remember this, but Angie, my wife and I, Angie and I ran a Sib shop. I think you were there at the Y sibling. It was a program for the siblings of kids with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And it was specifically designed to have intentional time with the siblings together because the intention is so much on the child with the disability and not, I'm not comparing class of 2020 and class of 21, but that class of 22, when it's quote unquote back to normal, 23, are gonna be like, hey, wait, we're still affected. We talk about all the time and we've talked about on this podcast, we wanna throw that pebble or that stone into the pond and we wanna create ripples and we talk about how those ripples are great and they affect change. Sometimes that rock and those ripples are gonna come out. So I think it's really important as youth professionals to really look at those other groups that are getting there. My kindergartners, the kids who are going into kindergarten this year, who are at my camp this summer, people are like, oh, they won't wear masks. These kids rock it all day long. You put a Pokemon on that thing, and it is the coolest thing in the entire world. And we're outside in ninety degree heat with twenty percent humidity, and they're loving it, right? So, kids will rise to that occasion. As adults, we need to rise to this occasion as well. So
2: and that's always a struggle, Mike. It's not usually the kids, right?
0: Yeah. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, Fran. Before we go. Uh, Thanks so much for coming and joining us. Uh, do you want to give a shout out? Anybody tell us how we can get a hold of you. If people have questions, um, how do they reach out to you?
2: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, Mike, I'll send you my, the link to my school, my email at um, sure. Thompson at Milford, M I L F O R D E D Milford, You know, anytime. Um, cool. Love to hear any creative ideas, what, what people are doing. Um, And, you know, shout out to Mike and Al for this uh, great opportunity and uh, I wish you guys all the best. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Expert Online Training. Al, you've used Expert Online Training. Tell us about it.
1: I have. I've been a past user and and a big fan of expert online training. I've used them for our first year staff. I've used them uh, for returning leaders. I've used them for our senior leadership uh, or what uh, some people call the the directing team and I call the support staff. Uh, The different topics and presenters that they have really are worthwhile in tailoring training to your specific camp teams in so many different ways.
0: It's a great program. My camp is using Expert Online Training this summer. So, if you're interested in Expert Online Training, go to ExpertOnlineTraining dot com and check them out. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. I was so honored and blessed to have a good, good, just a good friend, a good man on today, Fran Thompson. Uh, he's just one of those good people, man. Al, he's one of us. That's all I can say. And so. Um, we heard a lot of great things. Al, what'd you learn today?
1: You know, I, I keep thinking about um, uh, John Maxwell's law of buy-in uh, you know, and the, 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 question that's asked as a result of that law is, do I give people a reason to follow me? And, uh, you know, as Fran was talking, I, uh, you know, it's like, I, I want to be a teacher. I want to go work for this guy. You know, it's like, all he does is exude reason to follow him and, uh, and, 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 be a part of what uh, the vision that he's casting. Uh, and uh, the, the other piece that is, is fascinating to me is when he started talking about how his class of 2020 really saved the school from March till June, they decided everything. And, and it's one of those aspects that I always, I, 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 you know, as a camp director, I've always maintained, I am not in charge. The kids are. And, and and when you get out of their way, you see such amazing things happen. And that's, that's what he's doing. Uh, you know, he's running a, a high school uh, in a fashion that is comparable to uh, any one of the youth professional uh, uh, folks who listen to this podcast, you know, whether it's a preschool, high school, camp recreation departments um uh, you know uh, it, it it is just truly impressive and uh, and I want to follow him
0: yeah yeah he's I always said if he ever just gave me a call and say hey I need you to do this I'd be like all right no no it's stepping in front of a moving bus all right friend I got you I'm there so yeah he is he he's that servant leader and just a real inspiration I, I loved and and I if you listen back, his, his tone and his voice dropped. And I know him pretty well to know that, that, that was, that was raw Fran. And he said, if you, if this has not taught you something, taught you to collaborate, taught you to trust in technology, if this has not taught you to do something in good ways, what are we doing here? And I really, I believe that, you know, that Charles Swindoll poem or that goes on and on. And, but you know, life is, you know, 10% what happens and 90% how I react to it. And I think that's, that's just, that's exactly what it is. And, and so we're going to really challenge, we're, we're in this, then this service organizations and we're in working with children and, and making sure we're, we're doing the best with the information we have at this time. We heard a lot of things shift and that's going to happen, but how you handle that and how, um, things happen to you, yes, that's important, but how you adjust and how you address it is is the most important. So uh, thanks, Al, and thanks, Fran, for coming on today. I really, really appreciate it. I'm excited to uh, have you, everybody check out all of our podcasts. We're on episode 23, so I can't believe Fran um, hit our number 23 mark. That's a big, Big time. We were going to do 26 episodes in a year and we're already into this, what, four months, Al? And yeah. <laughs> we're at 23. 23. So, uh, you know, whew. so, um, but yeah, so thanks everybody. We hope you well, by the time you listen to this, you, all of your summer programs are wrapping up and everybody was safe and, um, and you're preparing for your fall programs. And, and if you need anything from Al or I just, just give us a shout and, uh, have a great one. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.